In January of 2017, I, and most of you know this, I underwent, a, uh, went, underwent uh, open heart surgery and uh, had a quadruple bypass because when I do things, I do it all the way. And uh, that experience, as you could well imagine, walking through that, it forced me to learn a lot about heart disease. And I did a lot of research, did a lot of learning, a lot of things that I needed to do. And, uh, and in the process, I learned some things that are, that are about heart disease that's kind of stunning. And, and by the way, we're not going to be talking about your physical health, although that is something you might need to deal with. But, but did you know that every 34 seconds in America, somebody dies of heart disease? Every 34 seconds. That means that by this time tomorrow, more than 2,500 people, moms, dads, husbands, wives, sisters, uh, brothers, friends, will die because of heart disease. It is the number one killer among both males and females. Since 1900, cardiovascular disease has been the number one killer in the United States for every year except 1918. And that was in the middle of World War I and also the the Spanish flu plague. Every 20 seconds, a person in the United States has a heart attack. It's the number one killer worldwide. It is no respecter of gender, race, color, ethnicity, or nationality. It is the number one killer. An interesting fact that I learned in my process of learning about heart disease, you may not know this, this is not very well known, but I discovered that people who eat beans at least four times a week have a lower level of heart disease, 19% lower than people who eat beans less than once a week. They do live longer, longer, however, they have far fewer close friends. I just want to mention that, that that's the reality of it. So you live longer, but you're alone. What can I say? Well, you know, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, we're just looking at two verses. It tells us to be mindful of our hearts. And, and essentially, the author of Hebrews is talking to us about heart disease, except this heart disease is not physical heart disease. It's spiritual heart disease. But the effects of it are just as devastating. In fact, probably even more so because spiritual heart disease doesn't just kill the body. It kills the soul. It, it, it ruins you and, 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 and uh, sentences you to an eternity without God. It's an eternal issue. And I'm sure you've seen, just as I've seen, uh, these things happen in somebody's life in a heart that was once so vibrant, that, that beat with life and with passion for Jesus, that heart disease begins to take its toll and chokes out the life. We've seen it, obviously, in people physically, but we've also seen it happen to people spiritually. We've watched as people who once had this vibrant, passionate relationship with Jesus become completely numb to the things of God. And they gave in and they started playing the religious game and eventually lost all of the life and the vitality, vitality that they had discovered in following Jesus. And, and this passage that we're going to read is going to speak to us this morning about how we can prevent spiritual heart disease. And spiritual heart disease, by the way, is often referred to as the hardening of the heart. And, and, and we're going to learn this. And listen, if you find yourself in a place where your heart 
is not stirred anymore in the presence of your Savior. If you come into the presence of God and you're just completely numb to everything that's going on, if you find you're in a place where you're simply not moved by worship anymore, if you're in the place where you simply go through the motions and reading your Bible and, and your prayer time, if you're in the place where you're doing all the right things but there is no heart and there is no passion involved, then I beg of you today, listen carefully for the voice of God in this message because you may be exhibiting the symptoms of spiritual heart disease. You see, I, I, before I ever went into the hospital for the surgery back in 2017, there were symptoms, there were things going on in my life, in my body that indicated that there was something going on inside of me and it could not be seen without careful examination. In fact, they had to do many examinations to figure out what was going on because even when they did the, 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 the stress test, it, did, it never showed up. But there were still symptoms. And in the same way, when you're sleep, slipping into a place where you can see some of the symptoms of spiritual heart disease then if you find yourself in that place, pay attention to what God is trying to say because he, there may be something going on inside of you that no one else can see. And in fact, you may even be lying to yourself about, but, 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 but pay attention. Let me give you the, the, the background. If you haven't been with us, we're in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish believers who were in, in danger of drifting away from their faith. They were, they were considering going back to the old system of sacrifices because they weren't sure if Jesus' sacrifice actually counted for sins that they had committed after they'd been cleansed by Jesus. They were thinking, well, what do we do now? Because we've, we've, our sins have been forgiven and he's already been sacrificed. He's already given his life. And what do we do now? Because there's no more sacrifices. And they were, they were considering going back because they were struggling with this. And so the author of Hebrews is writing to them, warning against drifting from the Lord, saying, do not drift away uh, 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 from this faith. Where else are you going to get this kind of salvation? Where else can you turn? And in chapter 1, he writes about the greatness of Jesus. And he says that Jesus is greater than any created being because he is the creator. And since he is the creator, we should really listen to what God is saying through his son Jesus. And then in chapter 2, he talks about why Jesus came to earth as a man. And, and one of the reasons we talked about this was so that Jesus could say to us in the midst of our pain and suffering, he could say, I know, I remember, I lost too. I remember what, it was, what this was like and I'm here right now for you. In chapter 3, he moves from the spiritual heavenly realm down to the earthly realm. And he says, Jesus is better than the angels. But he also goes on and he says that Jesus, and he's speaking to these Jewish people, and he says, Jesus is better than Moses. Moses came and he led the people of Israel out of Egypt and he led them out of exile and led them to the promised land. And just let's put it into modern term, Moses was a stud. I mean, that's just, he was a man of God. And, and, and he looked at these, wrote to these Jewish people and he said, Jesus is better than Moses. And then last week we talked about the rest that God offers, the, the rest that God offers in the house that he is building and the promises for you and for me to enter into the rest that God has for us. And he gives us the example of the Israelites. The Israelites left Egypt, headed towards the promised rest that God had for them. But because of their disbelief and their disobedience, they were not able to enter. And because of that, they wandered for 40 years until they perished, never entering into the rest of God. So this passage, Hebrews 3, 
It's set up as a warning for you and it's a set up as a warning for me. He gives us a warning that we would not be disobedient like the Israelites and in our disbelief fail to enter the rest of God. The, the, the truth is the rest of God is what we all long for. That's what, we're, that's what our hearts want. Our, our soul aches for, for the rest that comes in knowing Jesus. And he's encouraging us to live in that rest through obedience. And he's warning us that if we don't get it, if, if we don't understand this, then we're going to wander in unrest. We're going to pick it up in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 12. And read along with me. This is what it says. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This morning I want to talk about two ways that we can prevent spiritual heart disease so, so that we can enter into the rest that God has for us. And the, and the first way we can prevent heart disease is by continual checkups. Checkups help us prevent spiritual heart disease. The, the writer of Hebrews says this. He starts off by saying, take care. Take care. This is a command. He's saying, pay attention. The word there means to look at, to beware, to guard. It reminds me of Proverbs 4.23 where it says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart with all vigilance. Pay attention. Check out what's going on inside there. Don't ignore what's happening in your heart. Look at your heart, brothers and sisters. Take care. He says to examine closely to see if you can locate any root of unbelief within your heart, any sense of this evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. And the author is saying, take care, examine closely, be involved in these continual checkups, diligently guard your heart that you might be able to locate an evil, unbelieving heart in you before it's too late. Does anybody, let me just ask this question. Does anybody here do what you're supposed to do and have your annual physical examination? Anybody here? There's not very many of us. Not very many of us. We're not a very healthy crowd, are we? Um, it seems ironic to me, by the way, that I'm preaching about this, and then we're getting ready to go eat fried chicken. <laughs> but anyway, that's a whole different thing. But, but if, you're, if you're like me, you know, an, an annual physical is, is one of the more awkward exams that a person ever has to endure. I mean, when they do the whole deal, you know, they take you into some examination room and then they leave and, and they, you have to undress and, and put on this weird robe that's like made out of paper mache. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. And you're in there and, the, and, and waiting and the doctor comes in and you're already uncomfortable and, and the doctor just starts examining you. You know, he takes your blood and checks your blood pressure, maybe does a chest x-ray and runs an EKG on your heart, does all these things and they poke you in and prod you. It's just this really awkward deal. And they, they poke you in places where no one should ever be poked. And they say cough and all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? And uh, it's just a little intrusive. Anybody, can I get an amen? It's just a little intrusive. But it is absolutely necessary. They do diagnostic tests in order to prevent heart disease or other ailments that could prove to be a disaster in my life. We, we go to the doctor in order to see if there's anything that needs attention. How is my health? How am I doing? I go there in an effort to see where my, my health is 
and I'd be a fool to, to not go, which is where apparently a lot of us are, but, uh, but, but, but especially understanding that it's preventative. And the scriptures are saying to you and to me, spiritually speaking, take care. Look intently, examine closely, go to your checkup and, and make sure that there's not an evil, unbelieving heart in you. The, to, to pay attention, see what's going on inside, even when it's uncomfortable. That's really what this is about. This, when we get into the Word, it's what it's really about. It's, 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 it's an examination. It's a checkup where we lay the Word of God on top of our lives and we say, where do I line up and where am I out of alignment? Because where I'm out of alignment, that's a sign that something is off. And I need to pay attention. But you know what? We, we don't only have a responsibility for ourselves but we have a responsibility for each other. It says, take care, brethren, plural, that there not be in, in any one of you, plural, an unbelieving, evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. So I don't only have a personal responsibility for my own heart health, but I have a responsibility for the health of this body. I have a role to play in this body, in, in this group known as Restoration Life Church to maintain the health of this body. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, it's because I'm part of the body. You have the same responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to locate the unbelieving heart and encourage that heart to walk in obedience. To, to go after the one in, 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 and leave the 99. To go after the one who's wandering, the one that we see something is going on here, something is wrong, something is going off the rails here. To go after the one, we have a responsibility to one another. Not to, we, we can't just wash our hands from the situation and say, well, that's their choice. What do they expect? They're, they're heading for disaster. Well, if they're heading for disaster, we have a responsibility to do everything we can to head them off at the pass. That's, that's part of what, what he's saying here. I need people to come alongside of me, and you need people to come alongside of you to encourage you. And, and by encourage, I mean to prod you. Sometimes to poke you with a stick, metaphorically speaking. Because sin is deceitful, and eyes become easily blind. We fool ourselves so easily. The Bible tells us that the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful. And my heart will lie to me. And most of the time, the problem with us is that most of the time, we're more than willing to listen to the lies that our hearts want to tell us. So I need the eyes of this body examining me to see if there's a trace of unbelief in me, to see if there's a trace of disobedience in me, because this little disease will fester and choke out the life from my heart, and then I enter unrest and I fall away from the living God. My prayer for this morning is that we would see the gravity of this passage and that we would really take in what it's saying. This, this type of heart, which is described as evil and unbelieving, drifts away from the living God. I have a responsibility to maintain my own personal health, and you have a responsi responsibility to help me in my personal spiritual health. And I have a responsibility to you, and you have a responsibility to me, that we would look, that we would look intently, we would examine closely, that we would take care to, to watch for this, to look out for one another. Now, there are a couple ways that you and I absolutely... Uh, neglect taking care of our hearts. And one is, to, is by avoiding the, the, the whole thing altogether. We, we neglect our hearts by avoiding the issue. 
Many of us, and, and by many of us I say men, <laughs> many of us, we, we don't want to go to the doctors. And we won't go to doctors because we don't want to hear if anything's wrong. We have some symptoms, something's nagging us, and we keep putting off going to the doctor to see the doctor because we're afraid of what they're going to tell us about what's happening inside of us. And, and a lot of us guys are like that. We're, we're, I mean, we're like, I'm okay. It's but a flesh wound, you know, and that's what we say. It's a flesh wound, and, you're, and your wife is like, but honey, your head is falling off. It's all right. It happens all the time. You know, that's, that's just the way we are. We would rather live in ignorance, even if that ignorance is going to kill us. We avoid the issue as if somehow it will just magically go away. And we're afraid that something is wrong, so we just avoid the doctor in order to feed our own ignorance. And I'm here to tell you, we do exactly the same thing spiritually. We want to avoid looking at our hearts. We, want to, we don't want to look inside there at all. That's why we get so caught up in pointing the finger at other people a lot of times because if I, if I can just deal with your issues, then maybe I don't have to look at mine. In fact, that's why we like noise. You know we like noise? We do. I think that when things go quiet, we find ourselves in the quiet, we, we see our own spiritual reflection more clearly, and sometimes that's hard for us to look at. And if we fill our lives with enough noise then we don't have to look at it. If you can ever get quiet and, and slow down your life, what you really are tends to bubble to the surface. Like, like if you don't have any patience and you try to slow down your life, you know what's going to happen? You're going to be like, how long have I been here? Has it, it's been like 45 minutes. No, it's been seven seconds. Well, it feels like forever. If you're angry, it won't be long before that bubbles up. If you've got a lust problem, it won't be long until that suffers, surfaces. I mean, Jesus, he went out into the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, and within two verses, who shows up? Who? Satan does. Satan, the devil. Jesus gets quiet to prepare his heart, to prepare his mind, to hear from God, to getting ready to move into his ministry. Jesus gets quiet. He slows down. He gets silent. And within two verses, here comes temptation. Here comes distraction. And that's what happens to us. In the silence, it's in the silence that, that we must confront our own demons, which is why most of us fill our lives with all kinds of noise. Spiritually, many of us are, are scared to death to look inside. I don't want to look in my heart for fear of what I might find. I don't want to look in there because then I might have to face the music that there is some junk inside there. Well, well the re reality is, listen, if we're honest, we know that there is junk in our hearts. Anybody here perfect? Just take an informal poll. Well, we have one. <laughs> Yeah, and we know, and we, know we, we don't even need to make a comment about that, right? We, we, we're not perfect. We know that there's junk in our hearts, but we don't want to deal with it. it. We're comfortable with it. So we avoid the appointment altogether and just live as if nothing is the matter. When I do that, I'm deceiving myself, but I'm also trying to deceive you. I'm putting my mask on. But the crazy thing is, it could be prevented if we just took the time to look within. 
If I took the exam, it could be prevented. I, 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 could, I could avoid it, I, I could, but instead I neglect the, the health of my heart. And the next thing I know what's happening is what Hebrew says, I'm falling, I'm, I'm drifting away, and I'm rebelling against the living God. But I'm wondering if maybe the healing that we're all looking for might be found in the silence. In being quiet, getting alone with God, and listening and paying attention. And I'm not talking about physical healing. Oh, we know that God heals physically and we thank Him for that. But, but the kind of healing I'm talking about is that, that which goes on in the deep parts of our soul where, where we are wounded, where we are hurt, where we hold on to things that we don't need to hold on to. For, for instance, the fact that some of us are so driven to succeed because somewhere deep inside we're still trying to make our dads love us. Or healing from the wounds of feeling so unloved and unlovely that, that, that drives us to buy new clothes and to work so hard on our body because we don't want to feel unlovely, we want to feel lovely. Maybe the deep healing for which we are so hungry isn't going to be found in doing more stuff. Maybe it won't be found in one more successful meeting or one more counseling session. And Lord knows I'm not anti-counseling. I'm all for that. Uh, maybe it's not found in one more sermon or one more book or one more Bible study. And I'm, I'm for every one of those. But I'm here to tell you, just going and doing things is not where you're going to find the healing that you, you want for your soul. Maybe the healing for which so many of us are hungry uh, occurs when we take this thing called life out of overdrive and slow it down a little bit so that we can hear the voice of God. Maybe we need to stop and pray and quiet the soul and think and reflect and wrestle. But the second way I can neglect the health of my own heart is this. I, I can just withhold some information. We neglect our hearts by withholding the truth. Here's what I mean. And, and by the way, this one's a little bit more insidious and probably probably even a little more common among us, uh, but I would just withhold the information. A lot of us, let's use our, our illustration of going to the doctor. A lot of us don't tell the doctor the whole truth. You know what I'm talking about? I saw some nurses nodding their head in here. You know what I'm talking about. And so I go to the doctor and I don't tell him that I'm having fainting spells. I, and I don't tell him that my, my heart is, is a little irregular or that it feels like it skips a beat every now and then. Or, or I don't tell him that I've been suffering severe stress or pressure. And I withhold pertinent information. And then I just walk in and say, well, did you find anything? And they say, no, no, everything seems good. And then I leave. And I leave under the false assurance that all is well. But really, in the back of my mind, I know that I withheld information that was pertinent to the thoroughness of the exam. And there's something that they didn't look at because I didn't tell them everything that, that was going on. Anybody know what I'm talking, what I'm talking about? So how, do this, how does this play out for us spiritually? You, you walk into an account, accountability time with a friend. You, you, you go to your connect group. You, you walk into a time where the nature of what you do is to examine your heart. And we withhold the information that is necessary for fellow followers of Christ to encourage me to walk in obedience in that part of my life. Instead of being honest and real, we wear a mask. 
Instead of saying, man, I'm really hurting, I'm really struggling with this part of my life so that the people can rally around me and they can, and they can say, man, hang in there, do the right thing, Obe walk in obedience with God. If you're being tempted with this sin, call me. Instead of being there for them, uh, we can't be there for them because they've decided to wear the mask. And instead of saying, I'm really struggling here, they put the mask on and say, man, everything's cool. It's all good. I feel really strong. I'm doing great. And we didn't tell the whole truth. I tell him just enough to make him think I'm serious about dealing with the dark places in my heart. But I never really let that person see the darkest stains in my heart. And in the end, you know what we do? We end up living in 99% accountability, which is one of the most dangerous places in which to live. We live under the guise that all is well when really we haven't shared all that is in our heart. And so we end up living in false community with false accountability. By the way, I've said this many times when it comes to accountability. There is no one on this earth that can hold you accountable. You have to make yourself accountable. Because somebody can ask you all the right questions. You can say, man, I want to be accountable to you. I'm just dealing with this. I'm struggling with this in my life. And you can, say, they can, you can say to them, I want you to hold me accountable. And then every time they see you, they may ask the right questions. How are you doing with this? Is this a struggle? How have you done this week? But you know what? You make yourself accountable by telling the truth. Because in response, you can tell a lie. And you have not really been, been walking in accountability. No one can make you tell the truth when they ask the right questions. Does that make sense? You have to make yourself accountable. accountable. So if you're not telling the truth to somebody, and I'm not saying, you know, uh, don't get up in church and air all your dirty laundry. Not everybody here needs to hear it. Not everybody here is, it may be trustworthy to deal with that, but there's somebody you know, there's some friend that you have who wants to walk with the Lord and wants to help you walk with the Lord and that you can get alone with them and you can say, man, this is what's really happening. And they're not going to push you away and they're not going to reject you. They're going to embrace you and say, man, I'm here for you. We're going to make it through I want you to know you're not alone in this and you have made yourself accountable to that person because you're telling the truth the thing is when I walk in false community false account accountability when I wear the mask what really happens is I make it impossible to live in real community and I make it impossible to receive love from anybody else, including God, because when everything is finally quiet, because eventually there are those moments in life when things get quiet. Maybe you're lying in your bed at night and there's nothing going on and the kids are asleep and, they're, and, the, and the TV is not on and you're lying there in the silence. All of a sudden, when you're lying there you, and it's finally quiet, I have to face myself and I know in, within myself that they love the fake me and not the real me. And I think if they knew the real me, then they wouldn't really love me. And you'll never be able to receive love from somebody because you know they don't even know me. How can they love me? And so we end up trapping ourselves into living a lie when we could find freedom if we would just tell the truth the whole truth to one another. This is the power of overcomers ministry. That's the power of it is that you don't have to face it alone. You know, it would be just stupid for me to go to the doctor and not share with him what's going on with me. And, and, and I'm here to tell you, I have been stupid. I have done that before. I'm not even going to ask you if you have. 
But it's just as silly for me to walk into church, into a place where the nature of what we do is to intently examine our own hearts and then to insist on wearing my mask and hiding what's really going on inside of me. I have just completely lost the purpose of coming into that place. Therefore, that place is going to have no power for me. Why why do we struggle so much with this? I, I think one part of it is that we have made following Jesus into a checklist of rights and wrongs. You know, if you do these things, you're in. If you don't do these things or you do those other bad things, then we don't really want anything to do with you. When our faith is nothing more than just trying to keep a list of rights uh, and wrongs, then then we're afraid to be honest with one another because we know that we will be judged in that moment. Now, there is right, there is wrong, there is black, there is white. There is, you uh, 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 you know, the Bible is very clear about things in our life, that there is a such a thing as sin. But listen, following Jesus is not about my list of do's and don'ts, my checklist of of what it means to to do these things. It's all about faith in Jesus, and he's the one who sets me free. He's the one that cleanses my heart, and, 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 and I've got to be free from that checklist so that I can be honest without being in fear of judgment. The, the truth is, none of, none of us here measure up. Isn't that right? Nobody here has arrived. We all struggle in life. Sometimes we struggle with pain. Sometimes we struggle with doubt. Sometimes we struggle with sin. But we all struggle. But we come into church and we pretend that everything is all right. And we lose the very place where, that God has designed to strengthen us. And to encourage us. We pretend that we have it all together. And somebody asks, how are you doing? And somebody goes, how's it going? How are you doing? What's our, what's our answer all the time? Good. Fine. Excellent. You? And I'm not saying that every time somebody asks how you're doing that you should just dump on them. You know, because some people are asking that question just to be nice. You know, you walk, they walk away. Hey, how are you doing? And you dump on them this whole thing. Well, I got to tell you about this last week. And then they walk away saying, what just happened? I don't even know what just happened. So, again, I'm saying you have to, you have to know the person. You have to know that you can trust them. But, but we, we say, I'm fine. Everything's great. While on the inside, we're dying. We hide behind our masks, and as a result, we just become fake plastic people. We, we become Barbie and Ken in church. Which, by the way, both Barbie and Ken are completely unrealistic models. This text is a warning. It's a warning for us that we need to pay attention that we need to see the weight and, and see what's at stake here. To avoid dealing with this in our own lives is to walk down the path that leads to the hardening of our hearts. And, and uh, we just need to pay attention. Let, let's look at verse 13 because it gives us a second way. I need to move on that we can prevent heart disease in our lives. It says this, but exhort or some translations say encourage. It's the same word. Exhort or encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The second way that you and I can prevent heart disease is really in response to the first way. Because the first thing, if we pay attention, if we're honest about what's going on, the response to that has got to be encouragement, not judgment. 
You see what I'm saying here? This is what he's saying. The second way you and I can prevent heart disease is by constant encouragement and exhortation. Encouraging one another helps prevent the hardening of our hearts by sin. And by the way, encouraging you not only helps you, but but being an encourager helps me too. Because as I say to you, listen, you can make it. Walk in obedience that's also laying another level of accountability in my life to say, well, if I'm going to ask you to walk in obedience, then I better set a good example of that as well. So it's good for us as well. It helps us avoid the hardening of our hearts. The scriptures say, don't fall into this disease of the heart which causes you to fall away from the living God. The living God, not a dead doctor, not a philosophy, not a tradition, but the living and personal God. And the way you can avoid it is by encouraging one another day after day while it is still called today. So here's the real question I think that we have to ask ourselves. How do I encourage you? In what manner... Are we to encourage each other so that we don't develop this kind of heart? And I think it's an important question because how many of you have ever had, you know, that really awkward encouragement from somebody else? You, you, you know, where you're just not sure what to do with it. It's, it's kind of a backhanded encouragement. You know what I'm talking about. I've had people say to me before and say things like, hey, you know... I've heard speakers a lot better than you, but God really used you today. And you're just like, what do you, what do you, what do you do with that? I just want to say, hey, well, thanks. You know, I've heard a lot better of encouragers than you, but you're an idiot. You know, you just want to, that's what you want to say. But, you know, what do you do with the backhanded encouragement? I remember when I was on staff in Twin Falls, Idaho, and whenever the pastor was out of town, I would often fill in in the pulpit. And inevitably, somebody would come up to me after church and say, hey, hey, I just want to be honest. And whenever I hear that, I'm like... Oh, great. (laughs) You know, here we go. I don't know what's going to happen. But they say, when I saw you were speaking, I was really disappointed. But you did good. (laughs) You know, what what do you do with that? I remember, I mean, is is that the kind of encouragement that's going to light a fire under me and make me want to get really excited? You know, one time a lady came up to me after church and uh, first thing she said, didn't even say hello. The first words out of her mouth was, that's the ugliest tie I've ever seen in my life. I mean, what do, you, what do you do with that? Is that the encouragement we're looking for? No, the scriptures say that the nature of the encouragement that we need from each other in, order, in an effort to prevent heart disease is that we need to encourage each other to walk in obedience. That's the specific area of encouragement he's talking about. That you would encourage me, that you would urge me, you would beg me, that you would... You would, you would, you would uh, just implore me to walk in obedience and that I would do the same for you. Because remember, the context here is that the Israelites, he, he just gave the example of the Israelites. They failed to walk in obedience and because of their disobedience, they didn't enter God's rest. And so Hebrews 3, 3 7 says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts like they did. If you hear his voice today, don't take a step back. If you hear his voice today, keep moving forward, even if it's hard, even if it's painful, or even if it's just plain scary. Because encouragement is is needed from other followers of Jesus for for us to take steps forward. Because sometimes the steps we need to take are scary to us. Obedience is not always logical. It is not always easy. It is not always rational. But it is always better. I need you to encourage me and you need me to encourage you to walk in obedience with Christ. If you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. 
walk, take a step forward. He says, encourage one another day after day after day. Encourage me and let me encourage you to walk in obedience that if we hear his voice, we would not harden our hearts. Here's, here's the other side of the encouragement, by the way. I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to throw this in here. Free of charge, no extra offering or anything. So here's the other side of it. Because if I'm trying to encourage you to walk in obedience, it's very easy for you then, in, especially in our culture right now, to become offended at that and not receive the encouragement to walk in obedience. Who are you to tell me? Who do you think you are? I'm just a nobody, but I'm, I'm somebody that loves you. And I see that this area of your life where you're straying, that's why I'm talking to you. I just want to know, is there anything I can do to help? I want, you to, I want you to enter into the rest that God has for you. I want you to find the peace for your soul. This is what I want for you. And, and so you're, never gonna, you're not going to find it down this pathway. So be careful when somebody is encouraging you that you don't push them back away. And, and because it, it often will feel like they're attacking you. But listen, if it's done with a heart of love, they're not attacking you. They're trying to save you. They're trying to keep you. And listen, if they're wrong, you can be honest with them and say, no, man, I, you know, I appreciate your concern, but that's really not going on. There's no reason to be offended. In fact, it should be, say something to me that they love me enough to be honest with me in that moment. But look, look at the urgency here. Look at verse 13 again. But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. So he's talking about making it the habit of our lives. Day after day after day after day to encourage one another to walk in obedience to Christ. We encourage each other while it is still called today. And the reason we do it today is because tomorrow is not guaranteed. The author wants us to see the urgency in the matter that we would encourage one another day after day after day while we still have the opportunity to do so. There's too much at stake. Encourage me today. Allow me to encourage you today to walk obedient with, obedient, obediently with Christ while we still have the opportunity to do it. And the reason we're to do it is given at the end of verse 13. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's the reason we're doing this. Because the heart that is hardened by the deceitfulness of sin falls away from the living God and does not enter the rest that is promised. We all need encouragement to obey the Lord because obedience is not always easy and our spiritual lives are at stake. Sometimes obedience means I live in loneliness. Sometimes obedience means that, that I'm walking into a situation that really frightens me. Sometimes obedience means breaking a relationship. Sometimes obedience means taking the first step to mend a relationship. Sometimes obedience is scary. And, and most of the time, all of those things that I'm talking about are really scary to us. But we need to come alongside of one another and encourage one another to walk in that obedience so that the voice of, of God can still be heard in our hearts so that our hearts would not become calloused and hardened because eventually, if our hearts become hardened and calloused, they stop beating. Heart disease is really a kind of a scary deal, but the scriptures tell, tell, us, tell us how we can avoid it. One is that we can take care 
that we take time to actually look inside and ask Jesus to help us see what's really there and not lie to ourselves. And the second way that we can prevent heart disease is by constant encouragement. We've all known people that this has happened to. You can almost see it happening. You just see kind of the heart begin to get hard and what was once so vibrant and, 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 and you've seen it just become barely a pulse. You, you know people like that. Right now there's probably names, people that you know in your life that have become that. Their brothers, their friends, their moms, their dads, their sisters, their aunts. And you know what? You and I, if we're honest, we've walked that same road at some time. Most of us have anyway. There's just too much at stake to ignore it. Scriptures are basically saying is, hey, don't, don't mess around with this. Take care and encourage one another because the heart that drifts away does not find the rest that God has promised, does not find the rest that the soul craves, does not walk in the peace of God. And, and eventually the heart that is hardened just tends to wander until it dies in the wilderness. And that's not life. It's not what I want. So there are a couple of things that I want you to do. I'm going to give you a little homework. And I know some of you, as soon as I said that word, you tuned out. You're like, I hate homework. Well, deal with it. <laughs> Here are a couple of things I want you to do. First of all, set up an appointment to examine, examine your heart. If you can, write this down. Remind yourself. Set an appointment. Don't just say, well, I, I probably need to do that. Set a time. Say, God, this week, today, tomorrow, Tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, whatever it is, I'm going to set some time where I'm just going to get alone with you. And I'm going to turn off the radio. I'm going to turn off the music. I'm going to turn off the TV. I'm going to lay my, my book aside, unless it's the Bible. I'm, and I'm just going to get quiet with you. And I want to hear from you. Maybe you just go to a park and sit there and examine your heart. Just get quiet and honestly ask the Lord, where am I? What's going on inside my heart? Don't let me lie to myself, Lord. Tell me the truth. Show me the truth. If you're in a connect group here at the church or you're in, in some accountability relationship, that, that you walk into that place with honesty and, and work hard at taking your mask off. Do it intentionally. Set up that appointment and examine your heart. And take it seriously. Because sin is deceitful. And it will suck you in. And the next thing you know, it's over. So set up that, that appointment. Second thing that you and I need to do. This, this one's actually a, kind of a fun one. Look for opportunities to encourage one another. Our world is thirsty for words of encouragement. And it's true in the church too. There's people around you that need your voice of encouragement? Whom do, do you need to encourage? Who, whom are you looking around and, or in your mind do you think of people that you think they might, you know, they might be really struggling, they might be discouraged, they, I haven't seen them for a while, I don't know what's going on, or something just seems off, I don't know what it is, 
Who do you need to encourage? Who do you need, do you need to reach out to? Send a card to them. Make a phone call. Even start with sending a text. Just reach out to them. Look for opportunities to be an encourager. This world and this church needs encouragers. We need that more than anything else right now. We need you to encourage one another. And, and the second part of that is ask yourself who is encouraging you? Who are you allowing into your life? Who are you letting see what's going on in your heart so that they know where you need to be encouraged? Is your life, op life open enough to receive it? Are you available enough to receive the necessary encouragement that you need to finish the race that Jesus has laid out for you? That's what we need to do. Set an appointment. Look for ways to be an encourager. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, as we come into your presence, we're so grateful for your grace. And Lord, forgive us for those times when we have allowed our hearts to grow hard. When, Lord, we have had those moments where we, we just sort of drifted. And we started living by our checklist of do's and don'ts. And we've forgotten about the grace of Jesus. And in so doing, God, it always leads us down the road of judgment and, and, uh, and looking down on other people or sometimes even doing the opposite and just being extra hard on ourselves when we've forgotten the grace of God. So Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this moment to remember your grace. And because of your grace, God, we don't have to be afraid to look into our hearts. Because Lord, anything we find there, it's not going to be a shock to you. You already know it's there. And, and so God, help us not to be afraid. Help us to, to have the calm assurance that comes from your spirit to know that anything that's going on in our hearts you already know and your grace is strong enough to deal with it your blood is powerful enough to erase any sin so God I pray that you'd help us just to be honest and not to not to rely on our own ego our own heart but to listen to your voice and listen to your word that God we'd get into your word and we'd lay it down over our lives and we'd say where does my life measure up and where does it not measure up? And we would be honest about that, God, so that, so that we, can, we can deal with it. And Lord, once we realize what's going on, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us just to be honest, that you help us to take the mask off. And I don't mean, Lord, that we're supposed to just dump our garbage on everybody around us, but God, in that place of accountability, that place where we know it's safe, that place where we know we're with people who love us dearly, that we would be honest enough, open enough to be able to tell them what's really going on, to let them know where we're struggling with fear or where we're struggling with worry or where we're struggling with sin or whatever it is, God, that you would help us to be honest because then in response, God, we can do the second part of that verse and we can encourage one another to walk in obedience to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us. Speak to us today. Help us, Lord, if we hear your voice today not to harden our hearts.